0: But I thought I'd just take the last 15 minutes, and as is my ABF's normal custom, um, any thoughts, questions, complaints um, from this morning's message, or for anything in Luke in general, or stump the Bible pastor, or anything. Um, but no, no, absolutely, head head out, and uh, any anything. Here's a microphone right here. Yeah, yeah. How you do it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Any questions at all? Well, this is exciting. Okay. Oh, here we go, Jim Jack. Wait for that mic. Run, run.
1: I don't know if I'm beating a dead horse here. I don't know if you addressed it, but in the message this morning, our heart is represented by the soil. And... In- and we want to call out to God that our soil is, our heart is ready to receive a message. Did you address how sin affects our hearts and the ability to receive the message, or do you want to expound on that? Sure, absolutely.
0: Um, I tried tried clarifying that in the message uh, two weeks ago, when we dealt with the parable of the soils, or one week ago, Rather than viewing the soils as different people, oh, that person is the hard soil. That person's the thorny soil. Rather, those three negatives are the dangers that beset um, faith and faithfulness to the word. And so, in that sense, it'd be sin. Hard hardness would just be not really caring. I don't really care. I want to do what I want to do. Don't care. The shallow, superficial um, the soil. That doesn't go deep, just just you know, and that doesn't survive trials and suffering. You know, I, I want Jesus because I want the better life. I want Jesus because I want the better marriage. I want Jesus because I want to be blessed, and I don't want to suffer with Him, and I don't want to bear reproach for Him, and I don't want all men to call me and speak evil of me. And then you've got the cares and concerns of this world, worldliness and distraction in the, the thorns. Well, the, those are the dangers that Jesus represents that will, that will smother the word, that will devour the word, that will stop it from being fruitful. And so I, when he says, pay attention how you hear, be careful how you hear, I think because if you read through it, there's, if you've got a red-letter Bible, the end of the parable of the sower explanation just goes straight into the no one lighting a lamp. He, it's the same discussion. There's no pause. There's no break. There's no a little while later. So when he tells them to be careful how they hear, I take that to mean in light of what I've just told you about the dangers that face in your heart that will choke out faith and fruitfulness, be on your guard against those dangers. So that, that would be how we guard against sin and sinfulness. Is that... Yeah, go go with it more.
1: Like idolatry, apathy, yeah,
0: Yeah. worldliness. So, so in my heart, I recognize there are seasons and times, there are spots, maybe certain topics, where I can be tempted, just not to care, and I got hard heartedness. In other areas, maybe it's superficiality and shallowness. Maybe in other areas, the world's got some hooks into me. And so, in my garden of my heart, I got to be looking out for those weeds and thorns. I got to be looking out for those rocks. And I got to be looking out for those hard hearted patches and praying that God would smash them and till my heart um, so that it would be fruitful soil. Um, You want to add something to that?
1: Yeah, one of the things um, that I would love to have added to that is kind of a John Piper approach. (laughs) i got have um, big enough hands, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't have enough time for all of his, all of his writings. But Sorry. the one thing that he does talk about is how um, Jesus, uh, God knows and Jesus knows that the greatest thing that we can ever attain is him. Yeah. And so he shines the light into our hearts mm. so that we will know that he is and should be mm. the one thing that we pursue. Right. And it isn't and so we can talk about how you should let the light of God shine in your hearts but why it's because he is he is greater than anything right. you could ever pursue here right and i think sometimes we lose track of that and that's what's so attractive about him when you start to understand what he brings for you and for eternity amen amen jeff I-
0: This, I'm going to say is this the, the, the applicant? Thanks, Jeff. You're <laughs> welcome. <laughs> That'll be cost you a nickel, Jeff, right there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this application of, you know, uh, you saying that that this is referring to some things land in us, some things don't, some things we have a problem with, some things we do. Are you layering that on top of Christ's meaning, or are you saying that's what Christ means? And the reason I ask that is that it says, in his interpretation, in his description, his explanation of the Paragraph, he says, they are ones who... Right, right. Well, no, and that's part of
0: the confusion here is, not confusion, it's not confusion. One of the difficulties is even there, hold on, very astute and excellent point, Dave, by the way. Um, See, I'll buy time by complimenting you. Um, Okay, the seed is the word of God. In the parable, what falls on the soil? The seed. So when it says the ones that fall along the path, He's switching halfway through the metaphor. Do you see that? In other words, the seed is the word of God, and the ones, I'm assuming, of the seed that fall along the path are those. And so it it does, it does, no, no, it shifts up there. Um, I think there's a sense, well, not there's a sense, which what Jesus is saying is let me tell you and explain to you why, as I go about preaching from town to town, I get different responses. And so there is a sense in which each one of these is typified by people. Each one of these, you're going to see the people who are like, yay, and they're crying and the tears are coming out and then a month later they're off doing some new fad. And there are other people who are just, yeah, I don't care. And he's explaining how that happens. But in regards to the warning, take heed then how you hear, I'm saying in that point he's now reapplying the parable of the sower to his hearers. I've just told you about these various ways of hearing. Watch out that you don't do that. So in the first instance, he's explaining why. Why is it that there should be such a varied response to Jesus' ministry? Why, why, how does he explain to his disciples? Is he a failure? Why, why do so many people reject him? No, not at all. The seed's good seed. Different soils. But when he gets to take care of them how you hear in verse 18, that's where I'm arguing he's now in light of that. Now that we've seen the types of things that choke and eat up faithfulness to the word, Be on your guard against them. Take that. That's does that all the above. above. Yeah, but in the first instance, let me explain to you the results I'm going to get, and then to this inner circle, I've told you what the dangers are. Watch out. Would be how I'm I'm arguing. Okay, we got six more minutes. Come on, somebody with a question. Oh, there we go. That's fine. Hello? There you go.
1: Um, what do you believe about binding Satan? Because I, I, I was listening to a talk show and they were saying that no, you can't bind Satan because if you did, then who let him loose? <laughs> you know, why is he still bothering everybody? Anyway,
0: right. So, what do I think about binding Satan? Um, well, I, the only reference I know to binding Satan is God will bind him during the millennial reign of Christ, he'll be bound in a pit. Um, Job Satan accuses God of putting a hedge of protection around him um, here, here's, here's what I do know in regards to demons, demon interaction and, and dealing with Satan um, we know in Job, Job himself was personally afflicted by Satan Right? It was Satan, it wasn't another demon, it was Satan who gave him sores, it was Satan who made the house fall down nowhere in Job are we aware that Job knows that Job just deals with God. So I know in the New Testament, and even as we get to chapter 9 of Luke, Jesus will give his apostles, um, claiming the kingdom of God, and he said to them, take nothing on your journey. Um, When they departed, they went to the villages preaching the gospel. Uh, On their return, he told them all that they had done. Um, Where is it? Where they given power over demons and power to heal. Jesus certainly had power to heal. I don't fully understand how that all works. Um, it's it's a tough, yes, I know it's shocking to hear that. I don't fully understand how exorcism and demon stuff works. But here's what I do know. Um, I, I don't think it's ever the case that God's people have the right heart, the right motive, they want to be obedient, but they just don't do the magic spell right. What I mean by that is this. You're praying to God, God, help, help me be faithful. There's this trial, I'm under attack, whatever, help. You didn't Find the name of the demon and say it and bind him. So I can't help you. Job is my example for that. Job doesn't know it's Satan, and Job never takes his eyes off God. So I would say you're never wrong doing that. You're never going to regret doing that. Um, there's some, I mean, and there's there's even instances in the Bible of people who go about trying to do demon exorcism wrong. The seven sons of Sceva. They go in and they. There's a demon-possessed man, and they say, "We, we, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, we rebuke you. And the demoniac says, Jesus I know, and Paul I've heard of, but who are you? And he beat them, and they drove them out naked and bloodied. Which tells me, I don't want to mess around with this and do this wrong. (laughs) I know that in the apostolic period, people had power to do that. People may or may not have power to do that now. I don't know. What I do know is, you will never regret, and you'll never go wrong if you just deal with God. I I I deal with people, I've seen people who've got some real issues. And is it a mental issue? Is it a spiritual issue? Is it a demonic issue? I don't know. Like, I I don't know. If you were to be living when um Nebuchadnezzar started to eat grass, you might well think he is a demon. He didn't. God gave him over to a to a foolish mind. You know what I mean? Uh I I don't know if we could accurately determine what was going on. We'd probably come up with some disorder for him. You know, He's being judged by God. So when people are hearing and seeing and whatever things that they can't explain, I don't know. Maybe it's a demon. Maybe it's something they ate. Maybe it's something in their bloodstream. Maybe, I don't know. What I do know is, take it to God, take it to God, take it to God, take it to God. Follow Job's example. So that's, that's my sort of short answer. I mean, without going further into it, Dennis wants to weigh in. No, no, microphone.
1: <laughs> it's been a while. Uh, I think you're right. We have to be careful to do that because in past several passages, Jesus gave the disciples the power to right. do that, apostles, right. and and uh, John MacArthur says, uh, the power oh, was a preview of the power that Christ will exhibit in his earthly kingdom when Satan will be bound... And yeah. uh, the curse on physical life curtailed. So sure. we have to be careful. I think people get into that too much today that uh, Jesus gave that power to this, the apostles. and
0: Yeah. I got a book, by the way, that I think is probably the best book on the subject by David Powlison called Power Encounters. He critiques a lot of what's going on. I'll be happy to make that available to anyone who wants to read it. Um, I just don't know enough firsthand about what's going on in the circles or people are claiming to be doing that type of ministry today for me to evaluate and and give a one-sentence answer about it, which is why my basic stance is be cautious and don't ever think, and this is what I want, this is this is what I'm trying to get. Don't ever think, oh, darn it, if only I'd done the right thing if only i'd prayed the right see i didn't pray the prayer of jabez so god didn't bless me like again and again and again if my heart's right i'm coming to the father as a little child he's not oh you didn't know the demon's name jeremy so i can't help it's not the way it works uh that's not what's going to happen so don't don't the, the notion that and this is always attractive it's always attractive in sanctification to believe there's a shortcut secret to sanctification if that's sort of what the prayer Jabez offered. If you pray this prayer, forget growth, maturity, repentance, faith, your blessings. Or along comes the next thing, whatever it is. And it's always the next thing. And here's your, here's your secret short track to growth, maturity, better marriage, whatever. It's always going to be appealing. And then the fear is, if I don't know this new technique, if I don't know this new thing, I'm going to be left out. Um, and so that's mainly what I'm trying to speak to is please don't think that... You know, your heart's right, you're coming to your father, but you didn't do the dance right, that he can't help you. Um, and I know real exorcisms occurred, and for all I know, they may occur now. I'm not saying they don't. All I'm saying is, first and foremost, talk to God. Um, but I've been in prayer meetings and stuff with people where they spend 20 minutes like rebuking demons. and like, you're not talking to God at that point. I would advise not talking to Satan. Even if it's to rebuke him, that'd be my advice. I would advise against entering into a dialogue with the devil. I think he's got more practice at it than we do. Elsa, and then my wife. And then I think we'll be out of time.
1: Um, so in Ephesians, when it talks about we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the spirits, I mean, that doesn't mean we need to now take on the spirits, right? Well,
0: we are against the schemes of the devil. The devil's got strategies at work, and Paul says we're not ignorant of his schemes, right? But when you talk about spiritual warfare, can we turn to 2 Corinthians 10 and get the mic back to Serena, and then we'll bring it home. Spiritual warfare is probably one of the most misunderstood categories in the Bible. And and I've I've been, I've got some friends back in New Hampshire. We'd go on prayer walks, and they'd claim the city for Jesus. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. They'd they'd stop at different corners and pray and claim it. And I'm by no means suggesting that's a bad thing to do. I just don't think that's spiritual warfare. Paul tells us what spiritual warfare is in 2 Corinthians 10. And I want you to pay attention to what it is. How do we fight against the enemies and the spirits of this world? Verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. So that's why I think this is talking about spiritual warfare. Here's where he names it. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but of divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments, every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive we're dealing with strongholds arguments opinions knowledge and thoughts what are we dealing with what's what's the sphere of our warfare it's the thinking of the minds and hearts of men that's spiritual warfare spiritual warfare is the war over truth what will people believe will they believe the truth or a lie i think that makes sense when you look at evangelism what is evangelism calling on people to believe the truth of the gospel right right and if people will believe the truth of the gospel, they can be saved. And if they won't believe the truth of the gospel, they will perish. It's also about whether people will continue to believe the truth or a lie. Spiritual warfare is the war over truth. Now, spiritual warfare Paul says, the arena that I'm fighting in is the arena of thoughts and opinions and knowledge. We take every thought captive to obey Christ. I want to bring the minds of people and their thoughts into obedience to Christ. And that's spiritual warfare. Whatever whatever, other things may be, that's the only passage I know of that directly speaks to it. So again, I'm not saying what some of my friends do is bad. I just That's not spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is when we're directly assaulting the strongholds of thought, of lies of the devil in people's minds and their hearts, and we're calling them to obedience to Christ in their thinking. Serena, you want to say something, and then we'll break.
1: Isn't there something about angels fighting over somebody's body, and it was...
0: Yes, we're three minutes over and you want to bring up the assumption of Moses in the book of Enoch quoted by Jude. No, we're not going there. (sighs) Let me say this. Every Every time we get to see what's going on in the angelic world, I'm surprised. This is the one topic I would encourage people not to speculate on. Literally, every single time I get to see what angels are doing, I would not have anticipated it. For instance, Job 1, Satan's in heaven having a conversation with God. Would not have guessed that. Daniel prays to the Lord, and angels dispatch to to send him an answer. And another angel, the prince of the power of Persia, meets him, they get in a wrestling match for a month until Michael comes and delivers him, and then he can come. Would not have seen that one coming. Um, and, And then Michael and Satan get in a fight over Moses' dead body. Would not have anticipated that one either. Jude, you're talking about Jude. Um, and what? Oh, it's clearly mentioned in Jude. Does Peter deal with it too? I know there's a lot of overlap between second Peter and Jude. OK. Um,
1: well, the, my point the, was Oh, sorry, my point was that even Michael doesn't rebuke Satan. He has says "The Lord rebuke you."
0: There you go.: Yeah, even, even Michael doesn't rebuke Satan. He says, "The Lord rebuke you." Um thank you, okay. well you said you asked a question it wasn 't a statement for sure okay, okay <laughs> anyway, huge topic, huge topic, not an exhaustive treatment at all. Happy to go again, but we 're out of time. God bless.